We're going to have our Bible reading now, and our Bible reading is from Mark's Gospel and chapter 10. Many of you know about my issues of Romans and how much I love Romans and how much I'm feeling that I cannot depart from it. But last week we came to the end of Romans chapter 8. And if Romans chapter 8 is a, a gold mine, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 is a minefield. <laughs> Uh, so I just need a little bit more time to study that over the summer. Uh, so we'll pick up Romans again uh, come September or October. So um, different parts of the Bible during the summer months, and this morning it's Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 from verse 46 to verse 52. Then they, that is Jesus and his disciples, then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. This is God's true and trustworthy word, and to his name be the praise. Amen. Well, Mark chapter 10, let's come to Mark chapter 10, have our Bibles open there, um, verses 46 to 52. Let's see what God has to teach us this morning through his true and trustworthy word. Jesus was in the city of Jericho. Jericho is the lowest located city in the whole world. It's uh, 1,300 foot below sea level. It's 18 miles from Jerusalem, and Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the holy city with milk and honey blessed. Jerusalem, the place of the temple, the center of the universe to the Jew in that day, the city of the great king, the joy of the whole earth. Everything good happened in Jerusalem. And Jesus was going to Jerusalem. But Jesus would not find everything good happening to him in Jerusalem. For Jesus, it would be a place of daggers and knives, a place of threat and danger, a place of denial and betrayal, a place where Jesus would be arrested and killed, crucified. And Jesus was on his way to that place, Jerusalem. But at the moment, Jesus was in Jericho. And Jericho also was a really famous place, the city of Jericho. It was a place where God had gotten himself a famous victory 1,500 years before Jesus lived. A place where Joshua and the armies of Israel marched around the huge walls of Jericho. They did it 
once every six days. Then on the seventh day, they had to march around seven times. And on the seventh time at the end, they had to give a huge shout and the walls came tumbling down. God got a great victory at Jericho through Joshua. And now in Jericho, in Mark chapter 10, there is another Joshua, but one greater than Joshua, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the one who said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Yet in Jericho on that day, God came down in the flesh. He walked the streets of Jericho in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. As one person put it, in Jesus, the hurricane became human. The fire became flesh. Life itself become life and was walking in Jericho. Now, if that is the case, if God himself in the person of Jesus was walking the streets of Jericho, something was going to happen. Something dramatic, something amazing, something wonderful. God was going to get himself another victory in Jericho, far bigger than ever took place through Joshua and the armies of Israel. The power of God was going to be displayed again in Jericho, but not the power to destroy and to judge, but the power to save and to restore the power of God in the gospel. There in Jericho, a man was going to become a disciple of Jesus, which is the greatest thing that can ever happen on planet Earth. And it all happened just as Jesus was leaving Jericho. Look at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. That man, Bartimaeus, was going to become a Christian. This one man and the kingdom of God advances one life at a time. And this one man, Bartimaeus, was going to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Bartimaeus began the day in a totally different way from how he finished the day. He began the day in one kind of physical, spiritual condition. He ends the day in another kind of physical and spiritual condition. For Jesus Christ had come into his life. And he becomes a disciple. So let's see three things about what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus through this man Bartimaeus becoming a disciple. And the first one is this. A true disciple of Jesus has a correct view of who Jesus is. A true Christian knows who Jesus is. They don't know that fully or completely because Jesus is infinite and will spend all eternity finding out new things about him. But we know it a little. We've got a true Christian has the knowledge that this man, Jesus Christ, is the only savior of the world. So look at how Bartimaeus viewed Jesus. He knew something was going on, verse 46. 
They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was blind, obviously couldn't see what was happening, but he knew a commotion was taking place because he could hear it. So he's asking questions. Who's passing by? Who is this? What's happening? What's going on? And they crowd tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And Bartimaeus responds in this rather unusual way. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in this we see the difference of view between the world and the Christian. For the crowd say, Jesus is of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was a little town located in the north of Israel. And it had a very bad reputation. And they said nothing good can come from Nazareth. And the crowds just think, here's an ordinary man from a horrible town up north in Israel. Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth passing by. But Bartimaeus knows that it's more. This is not just one man from a town. This is the son of David. So Bartimaeus doesn't say, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What's the importance of this title? Bartimaeus says it twice. Verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, son of David, have mercy on me. What's, what's he getting at? What's the title mean, son of David? Back in the Old Testament, there was a king called David. He was a shepherd boy at first. And this King David was the greatest king that Israel had ever, ever had. He protected Israel from the enemies. It was this David that actually fought Goliath the giant and killed him with a sling and a stone. And throughout the life of David, he, he defended Israel and he expanded Israel's borders. He wrote a load of the Psalms and taught Israel to sing songs of praise. And everyone looked up to David, yet he had his failures and his mistakes for sure. But by and large, everyone looked up to David as the greatest king there could ever be, David. But there was a promise made to David that one of his sons would be greater than him. The son of David would be a greater king than great David ever was. So there was this expectation that whenever David, through various women, sadly, had many sons, they all looked to these sons. Is this the one? Is this the son of David? But all of the sons disappointed, like an 80 million pound striker brought for your team that never scores a goal. Always disappointed with the sons of David. Always. Every one of them failed. Every one of them failed. Here's another one. He's failed. Here's another one. He's failed. So they are waiting for the son of David to come, who would be greater than David. And when Jesus appears, he's the one. He's the son. He's the son of David. Yes, he was from Nazareth, but not just from Nazareth. From heaven he came. To earth, the son of David, born in David's line. 
So he was the long expected one. He was the anointed one. Within the Lord Jesus Christ, there was the prophet, priest, and king, all in one person. In the Old Testament, all those offices were divided. If you were a prophet, you couldn't be a king. If you were a king, you couldn't be a priest. If you were a priest, you couldn't be a prophet. But in Jesus, he is prophet, priest, and king, all joined together to show how great he is. The son of David would be the deliverer far greater than King David ever was. The son of David would be the rescuer, the restorer, Israel's king, the world's king. And Bartimaeus somehow knows. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, this is why the, cry, the crowd tried to shut him up. In verse 48, they, many rebuked him when he said, Jesus, son of David. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. That's polite. They probably said, shut up. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This man would not be shut up. This man knew who Jesus was. The crowd didn't try to keep him quiet because he was being noisy or because he was being awkward or a social nuisance. No, they tried to keep him quiet because they thought he was blaspheming. How can Jesus from Nazareth be a son of David? So be quiet. The crowd and Bartimaeus had a completely different view of who Jesus was. Bartimaeus knew, and a true Christian knows exactly who Jesus Christ is. And because Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is, therefore he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wouldn't necessarily do that just to an ordinary person, but he says it to Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me. He knew that the son of David had come to deliver him, to restore him, to heal him, to make him what he should be. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know that prayer, son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. It's taken root in the Christian church over all the generations it's been in the church in the medieval times. It's still in the church in the orthodox times. You'll find it in east and west kind of churches. You'll find it in orthodox churches, evangelical churches, Church of England's everywhere that people are often end their prayer lines. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me. And it's taken from here. Son of David, have mercy on me. It's become known as the Jesus prayer. So the first thing that we learn about a true Christian is that they know that Jesus Christ is no ordinary human being, that he is the son of David, the Messiah. The second thing we learn from Bartimaeus about being a true disciple is that a true Christian has a real change in their life. Something has happened to them. Look at verses 48 to 52. Many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Oh, cheer up now, on your feet, he's calling you. So, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus has a very different reaction to Bartimaeus than the crowd does. The crowd was shushing him. Jesus was calling him. Because Jesus is always far kinder than any human being can ever be. And that call to Bartimaeus, Jesus called him, that call gave Bartimaeus a before and an after moment. A before and an after moment. Before the call in verse 46, Bartimaeus was a blind man sitting by the roadside begging. After the call and in response to the call in verse 52, immediately he receives his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Here's the before and the after moment from sitting by the roadside to moving along the road, from being blind to seeing. It's completely different after he meets Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, than before. A complete change in his life. He became a walking miracle. And that's a Christian. A Christian is someone in whom God has worked so powerfully that they are a different person than what they were before. There is a before and an after moment in every Christian's life. So before I was spiritually blind, now I can see spiritual things. Before I was spiritually dead, but now I'm spiritually alive. Before I walked in darkness, now I walk in most marvelous light. Before I lived in fear, now I live in freedom. Before I was unforgiven, now I'm forgiven since Jesus came into my life. And the old is left behind and all things become new. There's a comment here in verse 50, which might, you might think, well, why is that recorded? In verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Why does Mark bother to tell us that Zacchaeus threw his cloak aside? So what? Well, the cloak for Zacchaeus was his security and his significance. On that cloak, he would sit to beg. And on that cloak, people would put money. He then throws his cloak aside. His security and his significance is found in someone completely different. Not in a comfort blanket, but in a person called the son of David. You often read this in the scriptures. When people come to Jesus, they leave the old behind. There was a woman of Samaria. She brought a water jar to fill up the water at the well. She met Jesus, and she follows Jesus and leaves her water jar. You see it with Lazarus. Lazarus died. He was dressed in grave clothes, buried. And when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Jesus says, take off his grave clothes. He doesn't need them anymore. Put new ones on. So the old has gone and the new has come when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple has a before and an after moment. Now, for some Christians, that's very dramatic. And it's, it's as dramatic as saying, like, it's almost in an instant that, that I was blind. Now I see it's, it's happened to me. And it, 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 it happens like in a sudden change. It's like the curtains are thrown wide open. The sun comes bursting through the window. Whoa, I'm awake. 
And that happens to, to many people. It's an instant. But for other Christians, it's a slow, drawn-out process. The, the curtains are, are gradually pulled aside. There's a peep of the sun's ray through a gap in the curtains. You gradually wake up, and then you pull the curtains open. You see fully, but it takes time. For some Christians, especially those brought up in Christian homes, and especially those that have never done anything really bad and wrong with their lives, nice people, good, well-behaved people, the dawning about knowing Jesus usually happens quite slowly, but it happens. There comes a time when somebody gets serious about Jesus. And at that point, no matter what your upbringing, no matter what you've done, at that point when you get serious about Jesus and cry out, have mercy upon me, that is the point you become a Christian. No matter whether it's slow or instant, as long as you come to that point, have mercy upon me, then you see the change happens after the cry. Verse 50, Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. He met someone more powerful than him. Other people might have tried to heal his blindness. No one could. He might have wished it. No one could. But Jesus, the most powerful person in the whole universe, delivers him. It's the second thing about being a Christian. You get a real change in your life. Third and final thing is this. A true Christian has a willingness to follow Jesus Christ. A willingness to follow Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 49 to 52. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, came to Jesus what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Here he is now, Bartimaeus, following Jesus along the road, physically, with sight. Something deeper going on here. It's not just that Bartimaeus receives his physical sight and starts walking along the road. There's something deeper. Two things that are deeper. Remember where Jesus Christ was heading. Jerusalem. From Jericho to Jerusalem. And all that would happen to Jesus in Jerusalem. And Jesus knew exactly what would happen to him in Jerusalem, but he was still going there. Bartimaeus follows Jesus to Jerusalem. He would have been one of the people in the crowd on Palm Sunday, cutting down the palm branches and singing Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus knew that in Jerusalem there'd be sufferings and trials and crucifixion. The road to Jerusalem was paved with suffering and Jerusalem itself would be death for Jesus. Bartimaeus joins Jesus along the road. In many ways, Bartimaeus takes up his cross and follows Jesus to his cross. It's the road, not just of self-denial, but of denying self. That's what the Christian is. If we speak about self-denial, we think, what ten things can I give up? 
There might be less, there might be more that we have to give up. But if you talk about denying self, then denying self means killing your ego. Because that's what self is. And that's what it means to become a Christian. The, the ego never leaves us alone. Our ego always wants to push ourselves forward. Look at me. Look what I can do. Aren't I great? I can get on by myself. And it's a menace to other people. But that ego wakes up every morning. The Christian every morning has to say, ego, you're dead. I am, I am denying self. Not just self-denial, but denying my ego the top place in my life. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what we're to do in following the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. Carrying our cross, we deny our ego. So that's the first deeper thing that was going on here in following Jesus along the road. The second deep thing that was going on here was, notice who he was following, verse 52. Artemis followed Jesus along the road. Jesus. You see, the Christian life is not just a journey. We talk about the J word, the journey word today, and it's, it's a good way to describe life, but life is a journey. We're all on it, and certain things happen on that journey of life, good things, bad things, and we learn from them. We experience different things, and the journey of life, we carry on. But the Christian is not just about living a journey, but following Jesus on the journey. And that's very different. Very different from just living life as a journey. I'm following Jesus on the journey. I'm committed to him. He's got my allegiance. I want to seek to live in imitation of him as much as I can. I, I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I am on a journey following Jesus. Christian life is about following a person, not a dogma, not a doctrine, not a set of rules and regulations, not a religion, but a person, Jesus Christ. And the Christian life begins with this cry, Lord, have mercy on me. And then the Christian life continues in this following that initial commitment to get up and follow Jesus to follow Jesus on the journey of life along the road, no matter where that road leads. So from Bartimaeus' interaction with Jesus at Jericho, we learn these three things about being a true Christian. One, a true Christian has a correct view of Jesus. Two, a true Christian's had a real change in their life. Three, a true Christian has this willingness to follow Jesus Christ on the journey of life. But that can only be accomplished when you do what Bartimaeus did. I wonder, how long was Bartimaeus blind for? Was he born blind? Did he go blind? Who was the first person he saw when his eyes were opened? Jesus. He turned his eyes upon Jesus. Right at the start of his Christian life, earned his eyes upon Jesus, and then throughout the Christian life, kept his eyes upon Jesus. And that's what we're to do as well. If we want to follow Jesus, can't do it in our own power, our own strength, we have to day by day turn our eyes 
on Jesus for the rest of our life. Help us, O oh Lord, to do what we have sung, that on this journey of life, help us not just to think it's a dead-end journey where things happen, good and bad, and we learn or not. Help us to know that it's a journey following the Son of David, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the only Savior who can restore our spiritual sight and give us life now and everlasting. So help us, we pray, to follow Jesus along the road. Amen.